Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This is Richard Deitch, the host of the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch. Multiple times a week, our podcast will get you interviews with the most notable names in sports media, from broadcasters to dealmakers to people doing great work behind the scenes. Here's Hubie Brown. Anytime that you win an award, it's not just because of the announcer and the analyst. It's always because of the production team. That's the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Al and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, here we go. We do a podcast for you on this lovely Tuesday. Well, they're not great, but that's okay. Uh, Al Dukes had to run because he had to put his dog in a pet hotel, so he's gone. And so joining me is Eddie Scazzari. What's up, Eddie? Hello, podcast people. Um, I just saw the forecast for Friday, and it sucks. Yeah, I looked at one that said that the morning might be okay and then thunderstorms oh, in the afternoon. I can't, Eddie, I can't take this. I hate it here with a hundred passions. It's It's too much. And I know the weekend might be okay, but can we, is it asking too much to get like three beautiful weekends in a row? Honestly. Yeah. Ugh. It it seems as if our nice weather, Blows. the start date of it has been pushed back to almost mid-June. Uh, I would say even late June, and to be quite honest. Now, on the other end, it does stay nice sometimes even into very early November. Then we need to change the school year. Start the school year there in November. I mean, really. It's just no fun. You got the pool set up for the summer. Now, we got this weekend, which was fine, and it was good, and it was warm, but I don't know. It's just you plan these things outdoor, and partly, too, because I'm coaching youth baseball, the amount of rainouts and postponements and cancellations because of weather is just absurd. Anyway, whatever. Not enough about that. Well, and also the, the school <laughs> baseball, the same thing. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, everything. And it's just it's it's too much. Um, a few different things here. Um, usually, Al prints out the topics but i wrote some stuff down uh first things first because this actually will be like a post-show podcast because i have some things that uh, came up during the show today to discuss first thing is evan running and it's not about evan this is actually not where i'm going with this but the video of evan running that he put out and makes fun of himself for is really something that you need to see and you'll never unsee it because it's awful my question to you is i find it fascinating maybe more of a statement than a question as we get older, it amazes me how our, and this is the life of a pro athlete too, I get it at the end of their career, how our mind tells us we can do one thing, 
and then you try to do it and either it looks like that or you simply can't. And I'll give you the one example for me. So when I used to play high school baseball, I was never much of a fielder, but I could hit the ball. So I was on the bases enough. And I was very good at the pop-up slide. You ever do that? Uh, no, but I know what it is. Okay. So I was very good at the pop-up slide. So we were going to have last, uh, I guess it was last spring or summer, we were going to have a sliding practice. My kids were, it was my 11U team at the time. They're now 12U, but the 11-year-olds. And we noticed in the spring, half of them were horrendous at sliding. So we have a sliding practice. I was so excited. I'm going to go, we're going to all dirt field at the complex. And I'm going to teach some of these kids, no head first slides, but you know, the regular slide, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to show them the pop-up slide because that to me is really cool. So I get there early, like I always do to set up and I decide, let me just you know practice a little bit. Dude, I couldn't do it. My body didn't work or move the way it did when I was 18. And it's amazing how I know how to do it. My mind knows how to do it, and my body wouldn't. Yeah, it's uh, sad. And I've experienced the same thing. I mean, my weight aside, but my, uh, you know, with the arthritis, and I've got a little bit of plantar, and it's just, it's a mess. It's it's uh, very uh, discouraging. Do you think, so you mentioned the plantar, so I have issues too. My back obviously is a problem. I do have a problem with my right foot. I had a kill an Achilles that I partially tore, so that's, you know, kind of compromised. Do you think that is our body making up for the issues that the other parts of our body can no longer do and the, the, the stuff just don't work anymore? Yeah, that it just, you're right. It just, it, there is a deterioration of your joints, of your muscles, and it just, it's inevitable. And I wish it wasn't, but, you know, and also I'm not ready to start shooting testosterone. Which is something that Al and I talk about a lot, and it seems like such a great idea. And then I get to the point where I'm ready to do it, and I'm like, "Mm, no. I always get that, I think with anything. Like, you can read reviews for a restaurant, a resort, any anything, really. Buying a car, buying a product. And you'll see 9,000 great reviews. And then you'll see the one scathing review in it. Like it just sticks in your mind and you can't let go of it. And the testosterone one is such an interesting conversation, the Adderall conversation too, because so many people will swear by it. And then you'll get the one or the two that experienced kind of like with the vaccine. There's some people that had really bad reactions and it scares the crap out of you because from the, for me, from this standpoint, I don't look great. I know I don't look great. But is it worth it to take that chance as minimal as it might be? And I, you know, I always come back to no. I I agree with you. You know, and also just the what you guys have talked about on, on the podcast. Once you start it, if you want to maintain it, you got to keep like, you know, injecting. And, you know, I, I do enough <laughs> injecting of things that I'm not looking to add anything else. What would happen? All right, so I've I've always heard these stories. So let's say you start doing it and then you stop. So what happens to your body? It just softens to a point of just blah. Yeah, I think it your your regression would be like below where you were when you started. I believe. I don't know that to be true. I'm not a doctor, but my understanding with reading and everything is that once you start and then you build up a little bit, if you stop it, you're going to go below where you were when you started it. Almost like you accelerate it the other way. Yeah. Yeah. See, that sounds, I'm going to be injecting myself when I'm 90. I mean, if I'm so lucky to even be there. Yeah. Don't love it. The other thing that came up during the show, which was interesting because they opened the show with it and then they had gone around around nine o'clock was the Top Gun sequel, which is fascinating to me from this standpoint. 
It's one thing to have a sequel. It's another thing to have a sequel. What? What would you say? Thirty years later, right? Uh, that was late eighties. So oh, I thought it was ninety one, ninety two. Well, All right, I mean, so no, even no, longer you, than that. You are well. He, I know Gunner said he saw it when he was what in like ninety five. I think he was born in ninety one. Saw it in ninety five. I thought it was a late eighties movie. You might be very. I'm actually. Let's see. When was original Top Gun? released so that was you're probably right it was 1986 so you're right wow so you're talking 35 36 36 years ago that that movie was released and they come out and so it reminded me of now the godfather one and two were done within a year year and a half of one another but then two to three was 20 or something i don't know how many years was but three was awful and it's what I, I find interesting about this movie is the trailer looks great. It looks like if you're looking for high intensity, you know, like it looks fun. I, I would actually, I don't know if I'd go to the movie theaters to watch it, but it's something I will watch sometime in the next year. I'm sure it'll be on, on demand within six months, if not sooner. Um, hard to do, though, to have that much time in between. Were you, when you go back now and you look at the movies you've seen, sequels that lived up to the billing, pooped the bed and surprised you because you expected nothing. I would say Empire Strikes Back was a great sequel, but only Fair. only three years later. And Return of the Jedi was very good as well. Yes. Uh, the Aliens, which was, this was, and for that time, I think Alien came out in 79. I think Aliens came out in 86, 87, something like that. Right. So a long time, clearly not as long as Top Gun. A different kind of movie, but very good. Terminator 2, also a longer layoff. I think it was maybe 10 years, maybe 9 years, something like that. Schwarzenegger was in the second one, too? Yes. Okay. And that also was very good. You know, Jaws 2, eh. That wasn't good. No, not good. But, you know, uh, Grease 2, terrible. Terrible. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, better. Well, as good or better than the first one. Yeah. And 3 was a joke. And uh, 2010, which was a long time after 2001, disappointing. And what very... is 2010? What's that? Uh, well, you know, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Then oh, and they did 2010: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, or I don't know what it was called. Uh, you know, it was 2010 something, but uh, not not great. Not a classic like the others. But um, yeah, you know, it's hit and miss with these. Some of them are very good. But others, uh, not so much. Now, one that had a lengthy break in between, but it was also because it was the prequel, I guess is what they call it. So the, you mentioned Star Wars. So had they, between Return of the Jedi and then when they came back with the three new ones, the first new one was how long? That had to have been 30 years, right? Uh, let's see. I think Jedi was 83. 83? Yeah, because it was 77, 80, and 83. Okay. So that's longer to make them then. To get to that first one or fourth whatever the hell it was was yeah, what was like 99 or 2000 because remember before they re-released the first three in the theaters and they had uh sort of added uh, scenes and effects to the first uh three especially the first one and that was like in i think want to say like 97 98 99 and then leading up to the phantom menace which was the the first of the prequels Got it. That was like in the early 2000s. And then there were, they did those three, and then there was another little break before the Disney got involved, and then they came out with 7, 8, 9, and then the ones that were sort of in between the stories, you know, Rogue One and all these different things. So 
You know, it's be it's becoming almost like it's you know, it's almost too much. You know, maybe it's just my age, but you know, it's like uh, enough with that. I just you know keep it keep it simpler, but they don't. And then the third thing that came up today, more so really on the warm up show than it did on the regular show, although we touched on it, was the apple that I found. That was in my bag from late March, which I forgot was in there. I never ate it and whatever. I took it out and it looked fine and smells fine and it's not soft or bruised or nothing. We cut it open. All was good. Do you? So obviously with Al, we we discuss a lot of nutrition stuff, as you know. We're both, he practices it more than I do, but I'm very interested in it. And I wish I had a, I would say I wish I had a more routine schedule to where I could eat on a more normal and regular basis. Like yesterday is a great example. Yesterday was while I ate normal because of our work schedule. When I got home, I didn't feel well again. Just I don't know why. So I slept from 12 to 2 and didn't eat. Then I wound up having, I had a half a sandwich at 2.30. Then I was off to cornhole at 4, skipped dinner, came home, was starving at 9.30, had a roll because I was so hungry, which is not the right thing to do. And I get it. Like, I wish I had more of a regular routine. But that said, we discuss a lot about this stuff. That, you mentioned what they, how they spray or coat the apple. Maybe Al did. At what point does this stuff kill us? And I mean this seriously. Like, we talk all about this organic food. And I'm, I'm, I hope there's really something to that, even though I don't eat organically like I wish. Like, are we going to end up dying with, you know, deformalities in our body because of all these... God knows what they're spraying, insecticides and pesticides on this food. I would say the insecticides and the pesticides are more like potentially cancer-causing long-term. But they have been spraying and irradiating food for many, many decades. And pesticides even longer than the, uh, they've been irradiating food. So I would think that the sort of benefit in terms of this... Uh, having more produce available and having it last longer, you know, it, it sort of outweighs the, the negatives. And I've read enough, you know, post-apocalyptic science fiction to know, like, you know, after the event happens and then people, like, are the survivors are rummaging through these old uh, supermarkets, you know, if it's only been a few months, hey, the, you know, the apples are st still good. Yeah. So I knew that, that I wasn't surprised that, you know, it was probably not in exposed to heat or light, your apple. So, you know, it, it was fine. And it probably would have tasted fine, too. It might have. I There's no way I could have brought myself to eat that thing, though. Yeah, there is a psychological barrier you have to get over if you're not in a starvation mode. So no need to eat it. Even something, but it even, it even fascinates me, something that is, and I know it's vacuum sealed. But for instance, you could buy a can of corn and three years later open it and it tastes like... It was just, I don't know. There's something wrong with that. Yeah, and also, how about these, uh, you know, vacuum-sealed uh, MREs from the Vietnam War, which you can technically still eat. What the hell is that? Uh, meals ready to eat for the soldiers. You know, the things that are just vacuum- From 60 years ago? Yeah. I, I would think that they are probably still, if they've been stored properly and not exposed to heat and sunlight and all that, probably still edible that I mean, seems would it problematic tastes good no but you know those mres that uh you know the soldiers live on those no i know i've had it my dad's told me enough stories i do know that i just didn't know you could still be eating that stuff last thing for you and then i gotta run because i actually have to do a, a zoom call um how's the furnace guy 
Uh, actually, I got a note, and he'll be here any minute. Okay. So we're good. But, of course, timing's terrible, because I have a Zoom call with Bob Gelb coming up, and right. whatever it is. The, the wind, never mind. Um, USFL. So I put this on the other night, and here's my observation. I don't know if you're watching it anymore, but I watched the end of the the New Jersey Generals game. I forget who they played. doesn't and matter. And they won on the last play. Yes, they won on the, the last play, which was kind of cool, as the running back pushed in the quarterback, Perez, I think was his name. Yes. Here's what I've taken from this. Number one, it's it's actually a good brand of football. Like these guys are really good. But the the thing that pops off the screen to me is it looks like pandemic football. There is literally two hundred people in the stadium, if that. Yeah, now for their for the quote unquote home team, the Birmingham team, they will draw more. And if you saw the opener against it was the uh, Birmingham Stallions against the Generals. And that had a decent crowd, I would say, for what it was. So how do we judge this then? Next year when the teams are actually in their own locations? I would say yes. That would be a good judge. And and who knows? Maybe they may, you know, uh, wise up and start it a little earlier. But then they're going to be directly competing with that XFL. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. There might be such thing as too much football. I watched more like the first two weeks and have been less and less interested because while it is good football, it's not it's not great. It's better than the AAF was, but it's of course still not the NFL. No, and, it's not. And I do, I, I like it, but it is hard to in this time. I really the right after the Super Bowl is when they needed to jump on this, and that's why the XFL is going to have a better chance next year. And I, but I will tell you this: I will TiVo and record the two playoff games if I don't actually. Watch them live, and then the the championship game is Sunday, July third, and I will record that and and make time to at least skim through it. But and uh, our local generals are five and one atop the North Division. Look at that perfect place to end. I don't do the see it thing like Al does, so I'm going to leave that to Eddie. But that'll do it today, and whatever. And the warm up show's coming up next, and then tomorrow's Wednesday, and we keep doing this. And the weather's going to suck Friday, but whatever. Eddie, thank you, sir. See you. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Before we get started, I just want to say on behalf of every single Met fan out there, this is the Rico Bronya podcast. On behalf of all of the people that were at Chase Stadium on that October night, on behalf of every Met fan that's watched this man pitch, let me just tell Adam Wainwright, can you go f- yourself? <laughs> wow. Wow, you weren't kidding. You were you came in hot. Subscribe and listen to the Rico Bronya podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. 
The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Alexa, play WFAN. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. All right, here we go. What do you say we do this Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday? It is great to have you with us. The warm-up show till 6 o'clock. The Eddie Scazzeri. What's up? And across from me, his name is Al J.D. Not the straight shot, but Al J.D. Dukes. Al, what is up? Good morning, Jerry. Morning. Everything's coming up, roses. First of all, I thought the Mets had a long uh, West Coast trip, which they don't. You, they do not. You informed me of that yesterday because I get nervous this time of year. Every time every time the Mets go on their West Coast trip, trouble ensues. Uh, so I thought that was starting yesterday. It's right. not. Just the three-game series yesterday? Three yeah, games, three, three games, three games, three okay, games. Okay, well, and they already just whipped the butts of the San Francisco Giants, Jerry. That's already one game. One more, and they win this series as well. Kick their ass. On, uh, well, I know uh, Eddie was celebrating the Buck Showalter's the 66th birthday. <laughs> no, I don't think Eddie cares. Matter of fact, Eddie will tell you that he is just one of three billion people yep. that had a birthday yesterday. True. I thought he was older than 66, to be honest with you. Really? I thought he was 69. <laughs> See, I, <laughs> I was going to say Buck was probably around 65. Yeah. Not 69, but I thought around 65. So I was kind of close. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. But it's a good win. They, you know, they pounded the Giants yesterday. Smacked the crap out of them, Jerry. First of all, a couple fun things. There was a heckler uh, at the stadium who was being picked up on the SNY microphones all night yes. long. Uh, I, I hope to have all that for you by 730. All right. 730. Uh, I, I did hear what, one of the things he, was, he yelled, uh, Jeff McNeil doesn't have any power. And then what happened, Al? And then Jeff McNeil hit a home run. Yes, he did. And then he took the bat and shoved it down the guy's throat. Not, oh, not, not, Physically, no, no. Literally, literally, Jerry, he shoved it not, right no. down his throat. No, 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 no. Do not spread lies. He did not shove the bat down his throat. Right Although, down his throat. That would have been cool to see. And then Mark Kana. Kana? Kana? Kana. 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 He also hit a home run back Kana, to back. Kana, Kana. to belly to belly. Man, what was the final? 13-3. How about Thir- that? Yeah, well, because they scored four in the eighth and three in the ninth because yeah. they were pitching uh, Luis Gonzalez, who's an outfielder, I believe. Why are teams doing this now? Uh, I guess, be, well, here's the thing. Back in the day, a starting pitcher would throw, I don't know, six, seven, eight innings. Now starting pitchers, if they give you a four and a third, it seems like it's a good start. Yeah, you made an impressive outing. Oh, please. So, for real, if you throw, like, five innings and give up two runs – like, people will legit say that that was a good start. It's yeah. really not. But, okay, let's go with that. So, that leaves approximately three to four innings most nights for the bullpen. So, I guess when you're down 10-3 going to the ninth inning, you kind of feel like, you know what, the chances of coming back are pretty remote, even though it happens once every thousand times. And so, they just save the bullpen and don't throw a guy. So, they'll be more ready for the next game. Now, this would be my question to you. Because I turned the game on. Believe it or not, I actually turned the game on right at first pitch last night. And I stayed up for a little while, but then fell asleep a little after 10. And now the Giants have been really good for a really long time. Would you not agree with that? Oh, yes, Jerry. Okay. Now, they're not a bad team this year, although they're in the midst of a five-game losing streak right now. They put up the, the Giants' defense in the first inning. And I'm like, who are they? So here are some of these names, which is funny to me. Fairchild is in center field. Don't know who that is. You had uh, Padlow at first base. Don't know who that is. You had Bart 
as the catcher. Not sure who he is. I, it was unbelievable looking at. Now, I know Brandon Belt is hurt, and we know about the guy you love, and that's uh, Mike Yastrzemski. He was in right field. That's fine. And Wilmer Flores is playing. But I don't know. It's like, who who are the Giants all of a sudden? Who are these people? Who? And I know I, I think Evan Longoria started at third. So it wasn't like he didn't recognize any names. But there were some. I'm like, what is that? I don't know. I was kind of uh, taken aback by what I saw last night. No, it was great, too. Uh, the the uh, Giants hit a home run. I think it was it was early. It was in the first inning. Second inning, Second I think. Second inning. Yeah. They have a home run. They go up two nothing, and where the ball lands, there's this this uh, San Francisco Giants fan out there who does like a yeah. He was so <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're talking about the Brandon Crawford home run. Yeah, the Brandon Crawford <laughs> home run. The fan was so excited. It was like this is our night. This was I picked this game to go to. We're up two nothing on a two run <laughs> bomb. Only the second <laughs> inning, and then just to see the final score thirteen to three. Well, the funny thing is too, and I'm sure I know you saw the highlights. You know, the Mets have two. They have was it, bases loaded. Yeah, it's bases loaded and two out in that third inning. And Flores hits a pop fly that honestly should be caught down the left the left field line. And it, it, Ruff, I think is his name, he completely misses the ball. It bounces into the net. And instead of it being the final out, two runs come in. And then Alonzo hits the home run. So... That guy could have been up 2 nothing going to, like, the fourth inning. Who knew? Yeah, it was great, too, because they have the screens down there. He did, like, a Derek Jeter fall into the stands, but he got I, all hung up in the webbing of the net. I know. It's actually pretty funny. It's great. It's pretty good. Pretty good. So, it's a good win for the Mets. And so now, for them to continue to do what they've been doing, all they have to do is go win one more. Sounds pretty easy to me. It does sound pretty easy to me. You got two two more games, just win one of them. Just win one. You get a split. You never know. You say doubleheaders are all splits. You got two games. Not a doubleheader, but it's a day game after a night game. Kind of a doubleheader. And David Peterson was impressive, Jerry. Pitched six innings, I believe, six full. He was good, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, after he gave up the home run, but other than that, pretty good. Pretty good, pretty good. Pretty Struck good. out some guys. He retired his final 11 batters. Yeah. So I would say pretty impressive. And I saw the the uh, that bloop out there that should have been or probably should have been caught that the dude then fell into the netting for the Giants. That was um, that was uh, Lindor's 500th yeah, RBI. 500th RBI. Yep, 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 yep. That's impressive. You know, I always thought this: if you were ever good enough, so like you want to be one of the greats of all time, but if you were someone that made it to the NBA and you had a career scoring average of 10 points per game. That's not exactly one of the greats, but like you could say you played in the NBA and you averaged 10 points per game. Every game. I would say if you were like a, if you ever got to, as they call it, the show, and you were a big leaguer and you didn't have a great career, but you could say you got to either 100 or 500 RBIs, that's pretty good. Yes. Pretty good. Just to say it, you know, 25. If you were able just to get there and you had 25 home runs and 100 RBIs in your career, you'd be like, I had 25 major league home runs. Right. What did you do? I would sign up for that. I'd, Me too. I'd, I'd edit them all together where it looked cool. Make it look like on, one. Well, it probably would be one season. But yes, that would be kind of cool. I'd put it on YouTube with Back, my name on it. Give me a shortstop from the 80s. All right. You can't say Gary Templeton. You used or Ozzie Smith. You used them yesterday. Okay, fair enough. That over a five-year period had 25, not one year like now, 25 homers, 100 RBIs. Uh, Robin Yount. I'll check that during the break. Remember back in the day, if a shortstop hit 10 home runs, you thought you had a power-hitting shortstop? (laughs) Or the second baseman? (laughs) That's what made that Ozzie Smith home run 
that uh, uh, not Joe Buck. What's his father's name? Buck, Jack Buck. Buck. Jack, Jack Buck. Buck. Where Ozzy Smith hits that home run in uh, in a playoff game, but it was like, oh, it's all because <laughs> shortstops used to choke up on the ball on the bat, like yes. they were just hitting poking singles. Pretty much, they were just contact hitters. And then for Ozzy Smith to hit a home run in a big spot, I was like, holy crap! Think about how different it is now, because this is right up your alley. So when we were growing up, your leadoff hitter would either walk or just slap the ball to get on, so yeah. he could steal second. Your second hitter would come up just to bunt the guy to third, and then you had your Don Mattingly's and your Keith Hernandez's and your Will Clark's batting third to drive him in. And then if he was lucky enough to get on, you had your power bat batting fourth and fifth. Now your power bat is Aaron Judge batting second. Yeah, it's it's so weird to see the big hitters batting early in the lineup. It's different, isn't it? Yeah, first or second. Yeah, it's very strange. It is strange. But I also get it because you're maximizing their at-bats, blah, 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 blah. And the only time that they'll only only have one guy on is the first time around. But, you know, it is weird because it it felt like when we were growing up, there was it was done systematically and you kind of knew what the pattern was. Now, who the – you might have the pitcher batting. Well, there's the DH now, but you get my point. Yeah, you had like second baseman and shortstops were not going to – hit home runs right your third baseman yes first baseman yes catcher yes and the outfielders i remember back in the day listening to gary cohen on radio with bob murphy talking about how if you didn't get the power numbers out of your first baseman and your third baseman you had to move them i'm like why but that's what that's how it was and your right fielder had to be a power bat so you're going to look up Robin Yount to yes. see if in the 80s he hit what was it you won you needed 25 home uh, runs yeah. for him? I want to know and I don't and I don't know this. I don't know if Robin Yount was a power hitter, yeah. but I'm going I will search his stats to see over a 5-year period how many home runs he hit. Compare well, I'm not going to compare it to now, but I mean just for the I, sake of the conversation. Yeah, I think he was an average uh, home run hitter. I think he had more power than You know what he than, had a lot of home runs actually. An Ozzy Smith type. Yeah, I'm looking now. He's that's not a good example because Robin nice. Yount. I, I just pulled one. it up quickly. Robin Yount. Now, when he started his career, this this would be the good example. Okay, he starts his career in '74. He goes for and he played. He played 107, 147, 160, 100. So a lot of games. He started with the Brewers. He started with uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. I think didn't he play his whole career with the Brewers? I think he played with the yes. His entire uh, yes. career was with the Brewers. It was Paul Molitor who then went to the Twins at one point? Right. So here you go. His first one, two, three, four. His first seven seasons: three, eight, two, four, nine, and eight. So over a five-year period, if you take his first five years, eleven, thirteen, seventeen, twenty-six. In five years, home runs? His first five years. But then, as he gets more into his career into the 80s, he goes from eight. He was clearly on steroids. He goes from eight to 23. Maybe he just worked out, Jerry. Maybe (laughs) he was like, I'm going to start working out. How about this one? 1980, well, he only played 96. In 1982, this was his best home run hitting year. 29 29 home runs, 114 RBIs. That, in 1982, that Brewers team, Jerry, very hard to stop. Well, I can see why. Cecil Cooper at first base. Yeah. Gorman Thomas out there. This is like your team. Yeah, oh, th- yeah. this was right in my wheelhouse, the 82 Brewers. Why have you not worn the Brewers t-shirt you bought? Because it's always three degrees in the studio. That's a very good reason. I got to wait till it gets super hot out before I break out. I got all my t-shirts ready, Jerry. I got St. Louis Cardinals, the 82 uh, team. Uh, I've got the Brewers. I've got the uh, Royals. Right. And I got the Mets. 
No Padres. No Padres. Okay. Stayed away from the pod. I don't know why. I would have felt like you know what it you was? Would... the T-shirts were four for a hundy. So you picked your four. Yeah, I picked my four. I'm, if I, if I really love them so much and I get compliments, I might go. Maybe I'll get another four. You don't. I don't. We don't I know, Jerry. You. I would go Dodgers, Giants, Angels, A's. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Mm, interesting. You get the pattern. Yeah. <laughs> get me the hell away from here. <laughs> <laughs> but now, after the Mets had uh, these uh, brouhaha's with the Cardinals, uh, I'm not sure that I want to wear my Cardinal shirt. What about the? Well, hold on. What about the rivalry with them in the '80s? And how about uh, Adam Wainwright and Carlos Beltran? Yeah. How about those reasons? Yeah, that's a f- the fair <laughs> arguments, Jerry. I would say it's a very, very fair, fair argument. What's next? You're gonna get a Philly shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting a Philly shirt. I hope not. They suck. Oh well, yeah, I understand, but whatever. I could see you coming in with like a an assortment of T-shirts one week. Phillies on Monday, Nationals on Tuesday, Expos on Wednesday. See, Expos I mean, would be Lord. fine. They don't exist anymore. They don't. But that was a rivalry too at the Mets back in yeah. the day. They were in the same damn division before they got Gary Carter from them. Now I'm just thinking of all the slap hitters that you, you know, the the dudes who would choke up Rod Carew. Pete Rose was a choke-up guy. Yeah, and a million million hits. Do you yeah. like forget the forget the length of the game for a second? Did you like and forget that it was eighties and you were a kid? Did you like the game then more than now, or do you like the home run ball now? I like the home run ball now. So this is more exciting to you than the way we saw it growing up. Uh, yeah, I definitely was more into it growing up as a kid, but I do love the home run ball. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it certainly brought baseball back, of course, as we know in the 90s. But I, don't, I always wonder that because it's such a slower game now. Now, the Mets have been, interestingly enough, while they do hit home runs, not as many as you'd like, they really have become the small ball and spots team, which is kind of fun to watch. It's different. They're small ballers. They're sm- look, at, look at J.D. Davis last night. He had four hits, drove in a run or two. Pretty good. There was a guy that, that guy was heckling J.D. Davis all night, too. How'd that work out? Well, I, stupid? I think that is tremendous. And like I said, I'll get you the clip. I'm going to try and get it for 730. The McNeil one is awesome because yeah. there's the one part where they really isolate and you can hear the guy loud and clear. <laughs> and then he hits the home run. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> McNeil doesn't have any power. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful ballpark, too, to watch. I, like, like It's just visually pleasing. That television. was, I've told you, that trip I took when we were in San Francisco and L.A., Going to Dodger Stadium was just, I was in awe as an adult because it's somewhere I always wanted to go. And Pac Bell, when it opened, whatever it's called now, AT&T Park or whatever it is, I love that place. It's, and it is it can be cold. There's no doubt with the wind whipping off that water. But that is the one place, as I told you before, that I could not wait to go to. And Joseph had me by the Coke slide for four innings. Four innings. I spent $78 a ticket. In four innings, I'm watching him go up and down a stupid Coke bottle. <laughs> do you think so. the players that go, like, do you think they're when the Mets go out there, teams go out there into the different cool ballparks, they're into it? Like when a team goes to Wrigley Field? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because here's the – Boston. You can, you can juxtapose that with Tampa. Right. So I think there's no doubt when they walk into, whether it's Fenway or Wrigley or one of these new cooler ballparks – as opposed to some of the sterile parks. Not that there's many of them anymore. I think Washington kind of presents itself as like a sterile ballpark, not like Tampa. And I think, you know, there are certain places that are like, eh, like Oakland, nobody wants to play there. So I do think they look around, and I think they think it's kind of cool because 
Also, the atmosphere with who's there. Tampa draws flies. Oakland draws flies. San Francisco, because they've been good. I mean, they draw a million people, and that's like you always talk about. You want that playoff atmosphere? Well, you get it in places like that, and the ballpark's cool. So, yeah, I do think you're right. All right, let's take a break. It's uh, 5-17. We're just getting started. We have got a huge Tuesday program with Boomerangio coming up at the top of the hour, so don't go away right here on The Fan. All right, we keep rocking it out in the free world. It is uh, 25 after 5. It is really nice to have you with us on what is now a Tuesday Memorial Day weekend week, which is awesome. I have something a little disturbing for you, Al Dukes, and this is right up your alley. We'll do the Yankees in a second. All right. So when the Rutgers season ended, it ended relatively abruptly because I 100% thought they were going to beat Notre Dame and Dayton. They didn't. We came home and the season was over. And... The day, a couple days after the season, I went and did the uh, the end of season podcast with Steve Peichel. Well, that day I brought an apple with me to work. Did not eat the apple. I went and did the podcast. I took my recorder out. I was able to upload the podcast. Everything was good, but I did not empty the bag. I just went into the bag now looking for an audio cord so I could record some stuff this morning. For anybody out there, I am at home today for reasons that were planned months ago, but whatever. You know what I found in the bag? An apple. How old is this apple? Well, the Rutgers season ended on March 19th. <laughs> so today is May 25th. How's it looking? Here's the disturbing part, Al. It looks perfect. What? How is this possible? It's not soft. It's not gross. Come it on. Irradiated fruit will last a long time. What's irradiated fruit? I mean, it's it's treated to, to not rot. Wow. It's also treated to kill us with chemicals then. I don't Bobby wouldn't approve that, I'm sure. The Bobby oh. approved app. Here's what I know. Not organic. No, that is not is organic. Is that unbelievable? You, you gotta cut into that to see if it's brown inside. I will I can do that. I'll go upstairs and I'll get a knife for next break. I can do that. I will Does, cut it is live. Is it one of those apples that has like wax on it? It must. It's a red delicious apple. I love red delicious. So do I. And this looks still looks amazing. So if this was if I had this with me March not like say March twentieth. So that means we bought it like March fifteenth, sixteenth, or seventeenth. Right, it's over two months old. Yes. And it looks fine and feels fine. Bizarre. It's like when they do those things where they take like a McDonald's hamburger and they they just have it sit there and then like three years later it looks exactly the same i know that's disturbing too yeah but this is fruit yeah i don't understand that other right, than what eddie said irradiated fruit I lasts will, a long time i will cut it open next break anyhow i'd be right, afraid to eat that you might not no, digest not, that no. jerry i am not eating it no oh, chance i would you eat it if i cut into that and it was not brown inside i would eat that would you really yeah knowing that it's i've had it for over two months yeah, I mean, I get. Who knows how long these supermarkets have it? I guess. Yeah, but I, but I don't know that. Yeah, anyway. that you know that was hiding for two months, and it was sitting in the basement for two months, in a dark place. Yeah, gross. Maybe because it didn't see the sunlight, it 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 went dormant. It like uh, like a bear hibernating. Your apple just hibernated and just was like still life. It just nothing know. happened. Pretty bizarre, but all right, I'll cut into it later. Anyway. Jerry, can you explain to me how the Yankees uh, were playing the Baltimore Orioles, who suck, right? Yeah. yeah. They had uh, Garrett Cole on the mound. Right on. He's pretty awesome. They paid him a lot of money. 
Aaron Judge hit two home runs. Yeah. And the Yankees lost. The what Yankees happened? did lose. Well, what happened? What happened, now, Jerry? What happened uh, was pretty obvious. Was the what was it the third inning? Third when inning. Yeah. Baltimore scored the four runs. Other than that, I mean, you look at what Garrett Cole did. I gave up the run in the sixth too. I know, but for the most part, if you got, if I told you yesterday that Garrett Cole was going to go eight innings and strike out eleven guys, and Aaron Judge was going to hit two, not one. That he was going to hit two home runs, yeah. you would have said what? Yankees. Oh! Yeah. Because it wasn't even like it was just two. I mean, not that it was a lot, but it was a solo shot and a two-run shot. Like, yeah. he homered twice. He drove in three. Cole was great. And it was the Orioles. And it was at Yankee Stadium. Bizarre. Yeah. And if I gave you all of that information, yeah. you would have bet, I mean, for you, the mortgage, like $20. $20. That the Yankees would have won. Yes. I would have certainly taken that bet. By the way, three game losing streak now. Yeah. 29 and 13. Not terrible for sure. Everything's fine. But all of a sudden, you know, you look up and a little bit uh, not so great all of a sudden for the for the Yankees. Not lucky for them. They have Baltimore again tonight. Uh, well, this is true. That's a very good point. Is it a three game series or four, Jerry? I think three. I think this is three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I have to double Just I can Google double it. Yes, Google I, it. yes. I, I, can, I will Google that. Good Lord. Anyhow, so oh. twenty nine and thirteen for the Yankees. The lead four and a half. Right. Uh, the Rays did not play last night, but yeah, you know, whatever. You lose, come back, win the next two, win the series, and they're fine. I like that we're already doing like how how far teams are back and how far teams are ahead. Well, I, it's no see. It's notable to me, and I know the Mets blew the lead last year. I, I'm well aware of what happened, and they were in first place until I think it was till August, and then they wound up you know spitting a bit down the stretch. But they seem a little bit different to me. And when you look at the standings, to think that the Mets have an eight-game lead in you know as we're heading towards June, that's it's impressive. That's why I look at it. I just to me, it's a matter of like the Yankees had that stretch where it felt like they were never losing. Right? They won. What was it? Ten? What was their winning streak? Ten? I forget what it was. But they had that just am- Google it. Yeah. All right. Jesus. <laughs> You had that stretch that Boomer talked about with all these teams, and they had done really well. They were seven and six, and they went twenty something and, and three or so. And you look up, and the lead's only four and a half, which tells me that the Rays have kind of tread water, and they're right there. So I don't know. It's it's fun to at least discuss it, you know, because at this point of the year, otherwise, you've got how much? You got three more months to go, four more months to go. Let me give a uh, hats off to Brandon Tierney, Jerry. I knew you were going to do this. I love this. He does the show here with Mr. Tiki Barber from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on WFN. Yeah. They had a, a scheduled interview with Paul O'Neill. Hmm. Paul O'Neill has some... Selling a book. Boring book out, I'm sure. It it's was not a boring book. Looking to uh, <laughs> do some promotion and uh, said to uh, them, or someone uh, communicated to the program, uh, you are not to ask any questions about the Josh... Excuse me, Jerry. <laughs> About the Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson situation. Right. And Brandon said, jam it up the A-gap. <laughs> Brandon said, take that book and jam it up your A-gap. We ain't putting you on. You know why this is short-sighted on the book, people? If yeah. they're the ones that said and gave the directive about no questions about it, it would have been one question, maybe two. Right. You move on. Yes. I, I don't they know. Don't get it. No, it's stupid, and it's silly. Now, I guess you could make the case we're talking about Paul O'Neill because Brandon did it, and we're saying Paul O'Neill had a book to sell, so maybe it makes you go Google it. I don't know. But I think if you're Paul O'Neill and you're his people, just tell him. Here's a stock answer. 
Not that big a deal. I used to tell that to people all the time when I would book when I would book guests and they didn't want to talk about something. I go, they have to ask you. Haven't you know the question's coming? Right. If you have an answer ready, and you stick to that answer, we move on. Like to me, if it was me for real, and I was Paul O'Neill or his people, I would either be told or I would tell him, say this. You know what? Without knowing the context of their relationship, how could I? even possibly get into the head of either of them for right. all i know they could be best friends goofing around or they hate each other so really hard to answer that question and brandon tierney was torn up he loves paul o'neill i know he well brandon tierney is about as big a yankee fan as beningo was a met and jet fan like tierney loves the yankees more than i, th- I think even more than the jets and more than the knicks he is a huge yankee fan so i'm sure this probably crushed him he said he loves don mattingly number one Paul O'Neill, number two. Wow, no kidding. I still see uh, Paul O'Neill as a, as a red. red. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. No, I get it. I mean, part of their, you know, it's funny that O'Neill had two great careers, and when he came to New York, it didn't start well for him. But boy, oh boy, he turned out to be a great Yankee. But I know what you're saying. I wish uh, all the all the other people that are lined up for interviews would do the same thing. Say, hey, we're going to ask him about this uh, Josh Donaldson thing. And then if it did, okay, you're not going to promote your book? Yeah, I guess that would be the answer. At some point, they got to give him an answer to give. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to cancel everything. Real quick before we break, when you, you say about Paul O'Neill a red, when you think Keith Hernandez, do you think Cardinal or do you just think Mets? Mets. You do. Gary I mean, I Carter. Still, I still think uh, about the Cardinals, but I see him more as a Met, Gary Carter more as a Met than an Expo. See, that's funny. I think of, I don't know why. I think of Gary Carter as an expo the way you think about O'Neill as a red. I don't know why that is. I think of Mike Piazza as a Marlin. No, you don't. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> now, have you told, what was that? Like seven days he was there? <laughs> I just recently saw, I started following this uh, Instagram account of, yeah. of like 80s baseball. 80s and 90s baseball. They're just like uh, uh, baseball cards and pictures. This <laughs> is it was a Mike Piazza, like, stretching in a Marlins. <laughs> it just looks so bizarre. He literally went there just to hang out for a week. So strange. While they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with him. Yeah. And, of course, he ended up with the Mets. So, yeah. what about, real quick, Dave Winfield, Yankee, right? You don't think Padres. I actually think Padres. Really? Yeah. So, when he goes into the Hall of Fame as a Padre, you're like, yep, that looks yeah, right to looks me. Looks right to me, yep. He's Damn. a Padre. See, not to me. It just... All right, I'll give you one, for real, because he played in several different places. All right. Reggie Jackson. Yankee. More so than the A's yes. or the Angels. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I still I see. Yeah, I don't know why there's, cer- there's certain guys that I identify with them immediately with one team or the other. And he was with Baltimore for a year, or right. at least half a year. That was another one I saw. They must have put up a bunch of photos of guys in weird-looking uniforms. So it was yeah. Reggie Jackson as an Oriole, Mike Piazza as a Marlin. How about Daryl Strawberry as a Giant? Yeah, it's weird. For well, not a very brief time, I think yeah. only a couple of months. And then I think, if I remember right, I think he ran into drug problems again in San Francisco. And then he ended up, as we know, with the Yankees. Anyway. The, the, the Dave Winfield as a Padre, to me, I, that era of the Yankees, I felt like everyone was just going to the Yankees. Right. So I, 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 I couldn't associate everybody with the Yankees. That was classic George. Yeah. No doubt. All right, quick break. It is 5.36, soon to be 5.37, soon to be 6 o'clock. And then when that happens, Boomer and Geo join us right here on The Fan.
All right, very quick moving hour. It's almost a quarter to six already. Al and Jerry, until then, Boomer and Gio at the top. Real quick, so I got the knife. I'll cut the apple, but before that, Al? Yeah. And I, I, I promise you, I am not making, I'm really not, I'm not making fun of him. But have you seen the video of Evan running? I've not seen this. So, F, so FAN put it out, the video, and Craig did like a John Boy breakdown of Evan playing his adult Twitter baseball. All right. His running style is concerning. Is he running like a Pete Alonzo type where his arms no. look funny? No, he's running like an Evan Roberts type. All right, I'll check that out. That's on the WFA and Twitter. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Concerning. Is he <laughs> fast? No, I would say he's not fast either. Just uh, awkward. Yes, that's a good word. <laughs> he's an awkward runner. He's an awkward runner. All right, I'm going to cut the apple real quick, All right. okay? And, of course, I didn't bring a napkin down, so now I'm going to have apple juice all over the place. I got to tell you, Al, look at this. Can you see me on camera or No, they don't have uh, – they're not showing you on my thing. I have a, a shot of Eddie Scazzeri. I know the oh, word is – I know the are. word is edible. I'm yeah. going to say this is eatable. Eatable. This is not yeah, – very eatable. This is two and a half months old. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm throwing it out. I'm not eating it. Anyway. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah, t- take a look at that video, though. It is weird. That's why you got to go organic, Jerry. If that was organic apple, it'd be all mooshed up. You'd have worms coming out of it. And probably like, what it should be. You're right. Like I know. Nature Eddie, intended. Eddie sent the link of, uh, ir- what is it? Eradicated food? No. Irradiated. Irradiated yeah. food. Eradicated food would be a problem. <laughs> it wouldn't exist. <laughs> right. It'd be gone. Did you get your monkeypox vaccine yet? Dude, I think I have monkeypox. How so? I have a rash around my right eye. They said a rash is a symptom. Is that right? Yes. I woke up with it this morning. Now, I have the glasses on because I can't see when mm-hmm. I try to read. But if I take my glasses off, my right eye has a rash around now, it. Now, did you, are you guys old enough for the smallpox vaccine? Because I had it and the wife had it. But I don't know if you guys had it. Um, is that the one that had all like it was multiple yes. things? Yes. Yeah, I did not get that. I don't know. I'd have to ask my parents. So, I don't so know. So you were the cutoff. Or yeah, right it was around, around the cutoff. Because I know if you had the smallpox vaccine, you're like 85% covered for this. How does that for work For monkeypox? Exactly? Yeah. Like, explain this to me. And I know the science is amazing. How How is a shot that was given in 1966 still working at 85%? Because some antibodies remain in your system. Others do not. For how old are you? 50? I don't care when your birthday is. What are you, 56? 56. So 55. So for 55 years, these things are roaming around in your body? Yeah. Yeah. Fighting things off, Jerry. That's amazing. Meanwhile, you got a rash around your eye. You have monkey pox. I'm monkey. I might. I don't know. I'm concerned. Yeah. I actually had uh, talked to your wife to see how you were doing, and and she said that uh, when she asked you what you wanted for dinner, you said, ooh, ah, ooh, (laughs) ooh, ah. How many of these you got up your sleeve, jackass? A couple of them. What did you What did you post yesterday about trying to find a doctor who's up a tree or something? No, no, that was my first one. I said uh, monkey pox. Uh, yeah, I don't remember something about bananas. I'm sure something. I mean, you generic. are just you. I know, but you're loving it. Oh, I am loving it. Uh, two things, Jerry. One, uh, the Yankees put Josh Donaldson on the COVID IL, which I don't understand. After being suspended one game by Major League Baseball for saying Jackie. Actually, they put him on the COVID list before he got suspended. Oh, is that right? Yes. Okay. Does he have COVID? I don't know. Maybe I would he has monkeypox. If you're on, no, he doesn't have monkeypox. I hope not. If he's on the COVID list, doesn't he have to have COVID or at least symptoms of it? 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Well, they put him on the list. Then he got the suspension, but then he's appealing the suspension, so he could have played last night. Okay. Um, he was fined as well. And so we'll see. I don't know how that plays out. And now the COVID list, he's got to, you know, he's got to get better. I imagine he's got some symptom or he tested positive without symptoms. Either way, right. it's got to be somewhat COVID related. Has I was to so be. confused because I first saw the news that he got suspended. Then I saw the news that he was put on the COVID list. I was like, are they? is this some sort of way to like go around the suspension. I couldn't figure out what they were doing. Well, and here's a good question too, is if he's on the COVID list, does the games he missed because of the COVID list, does that count towards the suspension or does he have to be active for that? I would think, I would say no. I would think he's, if he's on the COVID list, there's a specific amount of time he's going to be on that until he tests out of it. And then all of a sudden when he comes back and he's active, then you serve the suspension if he loses the appeal. And I'm not sure when the appeal will be heard. Now, I didn't appreciate this from Aaron Judge, if I'm Josh Donaldson. Aaron Judge was asked about the Josh Donaldson situation, and he said, quote, joke or not, I don't think it's the right thing to do there. Well, that's what Aaron Boone said, too. But, like, no one then goes, like, what do you mean? Like, I was getting a lot of calls yesterday from, uh, I was, uh, Eddie would, could tell you I was fighting with callers yesterday about this situation. Because mm-hmm. no one, because people are just calling up going, Josh Donaldson's a racist. I'd be like, okay, so what specifically was racist about the comment? And no one, like, I was not getting answers. Right. It's like, same, like I would have just followed up with Aaron Judge. What's not right to do there? Like, what do you mean? I don't know that anyone, I don't know if Aaron Judge is just trying to not get in the mix on this or, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, nobody has this dude's back on the Yankees and everybody uh, has Tim Anderson's back, whether they understand the the. Like Tony Larusa, no idea what's going on. I do think, and I don't know this. My guess would be part of it is, and I, again, never, never being in a locker room, who knows? But Donaldson, outside looking, and has never been a likable guy. He just hasn't been. When he was on the Blue Jays, he wasn't. When he was on the Twins, he wasn't. I don't think. Remember what happened with Garrett Cole last year? I'm sure the Yankees didn't love him for that. So my guess is he doesn't have best friends in that locker room. And from everything I've understood, Tim Anderson seems to be a pretty good dude. So. If you forget the forget the Jackie comment, forget that for a second. Put that out the window. My guess would be is if you're just in terms of your demeanor and your personality, one guy might just be more likable than the other, and you're not going to go to bat for the one guy that you might not be able to stand unless he's on your team. I don't know. You know, it was a good question. A person to ask is Sweeney. He's in that locker room more than anybody. He would know what the dynamic is in that locker room. They might hate him. Right. They might. Th- they must think he's just a douche. Yeah. I mean, do you remember when um, when Cashman made the trade to get him? Remember the conversation was, will he be accepted in the locker room? Is he going to have to have yeah. a conversation with Cole? Does Cashman need to speak to Cole? You know, he wasn't well-liked before he got here. Maybe he's still not well-liked. And no one's going to sit there and say, I got you. I got you. Do you think so, Sweeney? Who's who's there all the time? You think he would know about player dynamics, like if players like Josh Donaldson or not, just by observing? Yeah, you do. I think you can read a lot of body language. Now he's not there when the doors are closed. I get that, but there is so much access to a major league clubhouse. Like Sweeney, I'll bet you for a seven o'clock game, I would bet you Sweeney's there at two p.m. If not two, three the latest. And I think that clubhouse is open until like 30 minutes before the game. So you can mill around. You're on the field with them. You can observe a hell of a lot. And then they open up the locker room. It's got to be 
man, if I remember, it's like 10 minutes after the game, that locker room's open. And you can hang out. No joke, Al. You can probably hang out in a major league locker room until the last guy leaves for like an hour. There's a lot of time to, to actually observe. So, yeah, I think the answer is yes. So you get to see who's hanging out with who, who's joking yeah. around with who, who, who's hanging out together, that sort of thing. Well, let me ask you this. You were in the Lightning locker room. Yeah. In the Bucks locker room. If you saw a guy, like if you saw Aaron Judge and people were clamoring to him and he always had someone near him, was always smiling and laughing with people, and then you saw, let's say, Warren sat back in the day and no one ever went near him, wouldn't you think there was something up? Yes. So, And I don't know that to be the case in the Yankee clubhouse. But it could be. Anyway, it's 5.52. I know you got something to tell us. we got an Odyssey sportsman and all that, and then we'll come back. Right, Al? Amy Lawrence? Oh, yeah, Amy Lawrence. Uh, she's <laughs> talking Celtics heat, Jerry. You know that series is tied oh, two games apiece? Terrible series. Take it away, Amy. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry. The superheroes of WFAN. I got about a minute left or so. Mets win late last night in San Francisco. Yankees lost to the Orioles. And you got the Rangers and the Hurricanes tonight in game four, Al. I hear uh, that to Mac Jones, Jerry, he's the quarterback of the Patriots now, that he's in the best shape of his life. He lost his belly fat. And he loves Joe Judge. Loves Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. And then I saw another article that said... uh, some Patriots players are very concerned that Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are part of the organization. <laughs> <laughs> Unnamed players, of course. That doesn't exactly give you a lot of confidence, does it? <laughs> no. What's weird, though, is that Mac Jones had a belly. Like, yeah. he was a, a very, a, clearly a very good college quarterback. How do you roll up with a belly? It's like he just now is like, hey, you know what? I got to start eating right. Do you have a belly, or did he just not have a six pack? He had a little bit of a belly. Two different things. He was like, mushy. Yeah, I right. Like you talk about your mushy belly. Most of society would look at you and die to have your WFAN and WFAN FM and HD1 New York. An Odyssey station.